episode 300, Cloak and Dagger, season two, episode nine, Blue Note. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to the 300th episode of Welcome to Level 7. Yes, 300 episodes. Wow. I'm, I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and that voice you just heard was Agent Samantha. How you doing, Samantha? I am doing well, thank you. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. So 300 episodes, we are going to celebrate 300 episodes the same way that we did for uh, my Strangers and Aliens podcast, and that is Samantha right now. Uh, with that episode, we listed 300 favorite characters. So you're going to have to list right now off the top of your head in order from least favorite to most favorite 300 MCU characters. Go. Well, thank you so much for all the preparation <laughs> time you gave me. I gave you at least 10 seconds while I was explaining it. <sighs> okay, well, let, let's not do that. I will tell you my top, three, my top <laughs> three favorite Cloak and Dagger characters. Uh I'm going to guess that two of them are uh, Cloak and Dagger. Um, yes. Yeah? Yes. I, I don't know the third, though. Um, oh, Ty's ex-girlfriend, who's now the auntie. Oh, Evita. Evita. Thank yeah. you. Yes. It's Evita. Yes, I totally remembered her name. <laughs> so, um, actually, we're going to celebrate 300 episodes by talking about uh, the penultimate episode of season two of Cloak and Dagger. Because, you know, sometimes you just celebrate by by just continuing to do what you do, right? Yes. And bask for a moment in the number. Because we, as, as humans, assign meaning to round numbers. So numbers that are going to show up in this episode, uh, the number 300, the number two for season two, the number nine for episode nine, and the number 96 for 96 months ago. We're in Andre's past, and we're going to see what led him to that moment that caused him to cross paths the first time with Tandy and Ty 96 months ago. Uh, okay. So our cold open is Andre recording an actual record. He has aspirations as a jazz trumpet player. He's going to hit that blue note, he says, because it's like an out-of-body experience. Uh, and then they talk about their stakes. <laughs> so the stakes are not um, what we end up getting here, but the stakes that his buddy brings up is that if you miss that note, we will end this concert on a sour note. And people remember that and they won't remember the awesome concert that they heard leading to that point. But Andre has a philosophical response for taking risks. He says, if you want to be remembered as a God, you better start acting like a God. And he goes for it, but he is struck down and he falls to the ground. He's got a migraine. Yes. And I suffer from chronic migraines. Uh, it never hits me that hard. <laughs> Um, it makes me dizzy, but it doesn't just 
Sometimes it does feel like maybe in a way, especially if I hear like a real, really loud banging sound, um, it may start to feel like I was hit by a bolt of lightning, but I've never just fallen to the floor suddenly because it hit me that fast. Yeah, but your migraines are also not part of the origin story in a supervillain's uh, life story taking place in a superhero fantasy. Yes, so. and you know what? Be- I am so <laughs> grateful that. that I'm just generally not a supervillain because I would not want to put pain onto anyone else just because I'm, I'm suffering from a migraine. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what's hap- happening. Um, yeah, and so then we move to the now, and it's in the record store, and he plays his record as his voiceover talks about the power of music, and that's our cold open. And it's interesting, this power of music thing, uh, it's just, there's truth there. You know, there's power in all art. Any any art that actually connects with someone. But music, um, I've been two times uh, moved to tears by instrumental music. No words, just the music. And ever since that's happened, I just wondered, like, why... Why did it affect me so much? You know, but there is power there and it's a mysterious kind of power because I don't think it's mathematically quantifiable, you know, of, of how these notes in this order with this intensity is going to cause this emotional reaction in a human being. Mm. I think you can kind of guess maybe this might happen because this musician is amazing. But, um, yeah, the, the two pieces of music were, um, one was a acoustic uh, guitar solo by Eric Clapton, <laughs> and then the other was Moonlight Sonata. It was a piano solo, um, and I was just sitting in my room one day listening to it on some headphones, not earbuds. This is a long time ago. Um, listening to it on a CD player, and a Walkman CD player, again, a long time ago, and just laying in bed listening, and it just it just moved me. And I've actually tried to recreate that emotional experience and listen to it again. And it just hasn't happened. You just, I can't recapture that, that moment in time. Yeah. And, and this is what Andre is talking about here, um, which when we get to the end of this episode, this is a superhero fantasy world and music has a different kind of power as well. <laughs> well, maybe in that moment when you were listening to Moonlight Sonata, uh, Maybe there were other things that were going on in your life outside of music. Oh, and, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that at, in, in that moment, um, it, haha, I'm going to use a pun here, struck a t- chord with you. <laughs> no, a- absolutely. No, I, yeah. I 100% agree with you on that. Um, okay. Um, but I think research has found that music is one of the few things that actually stimulates both sides of the brain at the same time. I believe that. My, I also know that exposure to music does things uh, when you are learning as well. Like it helps learning. Um, yes. Back to the migraine thing. Uh, just a funny coincidence is that uh, I didn't notice it in this. Ep- I didn't notice until this episode, but I've seen this commercial in other episodes of the Hulu streamcast of Cloak and Dagger. But an advertisement came on as I was watching this episode for more migraine free days by getting emgality. And it was um, this migraine medication that they were advertising in this episode of 
Cloak and Dagger that features prominently a man with migraines. So I thought that was huh. a, a funny coincidence. I also saw that commercial when I was watching uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recently, too. So it's it's on broadcast television as well. But Is I, this a pill or is this that, that – um... I did not that. pay that close attention. Okay. It's a commercial where the mom is playing with the daughter and they're playing uh, Princess and Pirates. Oh, that commercial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I usually stick to um, aromatherapy and over-the-counter medications to help with my migraines because back when I used to go see a doctor on a regular basis about it, I found that the prescription medications actually made me more lethargic. And so that just did not work with me. But I don't know. Maybe that one that they advertised actually does work well. I, I don't know. But that lady yeah. in the commercial was definitely playing very, very hard. I mean, she was running. She was sword fighting. Her migraines were not affecting her as an actress pretending to have migraines that don't affect her. Well, I've, I, I believe I do recall hearing that as a possibility for Imitrex, but everybody I know that uses Imitrex uh, usually complains about feeling very, very lethargic after the migraine's gone. And I'm sure for some people, it works just fine. It doesn't bother them. It's just most of the people I know who use it, are they feel lethargic. Yes. The producers of Welcome yeah. to Level 7 want to make sure you know <laughs> that this is not to be considered as medical advice. Uh, no, it's not. That you should consult your doctor. <laughs> But, Absolutely, yeah. Let's move on to the show. This is not migraine talk. <laughs> uh, so Cloak cannot find Andre right now. He can't find Andre. He's using the Veve, and it's just not working. So they're going to have to look for him in another way. And to do so, they have to split up. But Ty doesn't want her to be alone. So Tandy um, does call her mom when she splits with Ty. And then she also texts Michaela after they split. And then finally... She goes to Bridget and pushes Bridget to let her help at what Bridget is doing. Bridget is investigating because the girls who were let go from the motel have disappeared. There's the girls who are still in custody, but they're all like humming or something. And then what Bridget is going to right now is to a place where Leah was found laying on the side of the road, who is not dead. I was positive she was dead from last episode. But she's not. So some quick talking and Tandy and Bridget take her and she's humming. And so we got a couple different things going on here. The humming thing is kind of creepy and cool. <laughs> like Yes. Uh, when I was experiencing this episode, uh, it was it was interesting, you know, because Andre, you know, he's got these notes, you know, and we're going to find out more about what's going on with that. But. Yeah, and so, and I'm also at this point, I'm wondering what's Ty up to that Tandy can't go with him. But they're splitting up, and that's never a good idea. And Cloak and Dagger for Ty and Tandy to split up, you know, there's going to be trouble. Well, yeah, because Ty, uh, Ty and Tandy they are stronger when they are together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing I was surprised about, you know, Tandy's trying to call her mom, and so don't she doesn't know where her mom is. Um, Texts Michaela, doesn't know where Michaela is. Well, I think we got a we got a hint earlier because um Melissa's name was seen in that um record store set. Oh. Yeah. So we got a hint where she was. <laughs> well, you got a hint where she was, but I didn't because I didn't notice. Okay. <laughs> My bad. But anyway, Tandy doesn't know where she is. 
Right. And I, were you surprised that Leah was not dead? I was actually. Because he just dumped her. He left her for dead. He may yeah. not have left her knowing or thinking she was dead, but um, he left her for dead. And yeah, this surprised me. And actually, there's a little bit more that's going to surprise me in this episode about Leah. She's she gets developed. I, I was surprised uh, the development that, that happens with Leah here. Yeah. So 92 months ago, <laughs> Andre is walking in flashback. That's it at the beginning of act two. Uh, <laughs> move to now. Ty also calls his mom and she wants him to stay hiding. He's calling from burner phone, though. It's OK. He asks her about Connors and she just says he's not giving me any trouble. And she's burning evidence. And I, I read an interesting interview um, about why they, they wrote this the way they did with her. And basically they said we wanted to show that she was too weak to not kill Connors. Hmm. I found that really, really interesting. Um, that she, you know, she possibly could have not done it, but, but they felt, you know, that he needed to die and that she was the one who probably should be the one who does it. So I found it very interesting. Uh, meanwhile, he's following the kid from a couple episodes ago, Solomon. And I, I'm wondering, you didn't say this outright, but you said that there was a point in this episode where you were, I can't remember the word that you used, but the sentiment was you were very excited in this episode. Yes. And this is where I believe, I Ty believe and I was, Solomon were talking. I don't, I think I, I, I didn't use words. I used a fangirling gift. That gift. is indeed what you did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's let's talk about what Ty and Solomon are talking about. I'm assuming this is where you sent that as you were watching the episode, um, because they've noticed an article about Luke Cage, and yes. they talk about him. And, Luke Cage in Harlem Rumble by Karen Page. Oh yeah, true. They yes. did not just stick with Luke Cage. It was uh, Karen Page was also brought into this, which that's. I, I know that the, the producers before this season talked about how this season ties in much more directly with the MCU at large, which honestly, first season, they, they did already. You know, you, you felt it with, with Roxxon all over the place, but this was cool. Yeah, it was. And I know right now that Disney cannot use the Netflix characters at all, but I think this is a hint that we may see those Netflix char Netflix characters, uh, the Defenders, maybe. Because I can see Luke Cage making a trip to New Orleans. Um, and and there, this is not the first time that we've seen a connection between um, the Defenders and Cloak and Dagger before because... Uh, Bridget's been mentioned on Luke Cage. Was yeah. it Luke Cage? Yeah, uh, I think so. It, it's, it's yeah, it's it's primarily a connection with Luke Cage. Uh, yeah. So Bridget came from Harlem and knew about you know some stuff going on there, and then I think yeah. So did Luke Cage mention her? Um, I. I think it was I, oh. I, I thought it was cross promotional. I thought it was something that got mentioned in Luke Cage and got mentioned in Cloak and Dagger season one. 
Yes. Um, but I can't remember what it was now. I can't either. I know it's in season two. I think it was another police officer who mentioned her. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is even more direct, though. I mean, they, they call yes. him by name. And then what's cool about it is, you know, it's not just, hey, let's talk about a character to talk about a character because, hey, it's a it's one big universe. No, they actually thematically tie him in. Um, Solomon can't read, so he has uh, Ty read the article or part of the article to him. And they're talking about being a hero. And Ty says that he thinks Luke Cage, even if he wasn't bulletproof, he'd still be in the mix. And, you know, trying Sol- to make things right. Yeah. And, and yeah. Solomon says, well, I could never be like him. I could never be a hero. And, and Ty's like, no, no, you can, you could, you can. Uh, and then he says he wants to set up a meeting with the uptown block guys. Yeah. So Solomon tries to talk Ty out of doing it. And his quote, the quote that I wrote down anyway, was sometimes things are just broke. And just because they're broke doesn't mean they need to be fixed. And that's that's kind of the sideways antithesis of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, just because it is broke don't mean you you have to fix it. But yeah, Solomon agrees to do it, though. He's going to set up the meeting. And then we move back to a flashback. Andre. Walking to a bridge. That's where he was going at the beginning of Act 2. And he's he's dragging. He's got no hope. He gets up on the, the bridge. And the explosion happens. And it throws him into the water. And the choice is out of his hands. He just somewhat accidentally committed suicide. It's interesting. He, he, gave, he gave his story to Tandy in, I think it was Episode 2. Back when I didn't want him to be a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Before we knew the truth. And I can't remember who it was, but someone someone called it out that he was going to be a bad guy back then. And yeah, uh, but this is this is that story. This is that connection point uh, where, you know, Bridget created by not that accident, but created by something similar to that accident and this though andre ty and tandy were all created by this accident that happened yeah Uh, he wakes up in a hospital the light really bothers him Uh haha because uh he got cloak and dagger and one of them is all about light but that's also a symptom of a migraine too yeah 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 well now he's got superhero migraines or supervillain migraines um because he's actually doing much better than he should be. And the doctor, which at first I didn't recognize her, takes his vitals. And when she does, he finds himself in that record store for the first time. And there are empty bins. There's the vivet. There's a few records. And he plays a record. And it's a cello that's playing. And he's realizing that he has power. And I did not realize it was Leah. I did not either until a little bit later in the episode, but yeah. uh, I found it very interesting. You know, she, she's established. She is um, working as a doctor or uh, at least as a, some sort of doctor's assistant. I'm not sure. Maybe a nurse. Maybe. Um, um, though I noticed in that scene that she's was wearing a ring on her left uh, ring finger. 
and it could have been a wedding ring. Um, but I just, I just thought that was interesting. So maybe at this time she was married to somebody. Yeah, but things are going to go bad here. Yeah, <laughs> for her. Yeah. They're going to go bad for her. Uh, so back to the present day, Ty poofs in and to talk to Tandy, but she sees Bridget and they've got Leah there and she won't wake up, but there's a door. Uh, there's a door inside her psyche that when Tandy touches, so they go in and the door has wisps of smoke like T- Ty's power. And so they go through the door together and they see Andre recruit Leah but they need to go down further. So they go through another door and they're at a cello concert and Leah, they say that she looks so, and then they say the same, they finish the sentence together. And one of them says she looks so hopeful. The other says she looks so normal and her parents are watching and Tandy speaks to the young Leah and takes the music from the music stand because she wants to go to help, help a friend. Uh, And Andre in the record store is playing the music but Andre is also in Leah it, with them, talking to them. And he's, he mentions he wants a, he. this is where he gives his, his bad guy uh, speech. He wants an audience big enough to hit a blue note and become a god. Basically, he thinks he deserves this. These migraines are affecting him. He does not deserve that. And so he deserves to get what is coming to him which is to be healed. And if that means that other people have to give up their hope to take some of his despair, so be it. Cause he's going to be a God and they're beneath him. And that makes him a villain. Totally. Yes. (laughs) If if you're wondering if something makes you a villain uh, and you are hurting people because you think you deserve and they don't, it doesn't matter what they deserve at all uh you know you can cause them pain because you deserve what you can get from their pain you're a super villain or just a regular villain either way you're evil um i noticed during this dream sequence that tandy is not wearing a white shirt she's wearing a yellow shirt and ty's wearing a blue shirt uh i think this is the most color i've seen on the both of them uh, with the exception of maybe blue jeans uh, since the beginning of the series. Yeah, they definitely keep up that color scheme for the two of them. Yeah. Uh, of course, Ty did have the, the police officer uniform. He did. In the dreams. Um, but that in was the in dreams. dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ty is wearing um, his hoodie, of course. Uh, and I noticed... Later in this episode, Tandy is wearing her sneakers that are black and white in color. But I, I, it shocked me because I realized they're wearing colors. <laughs> like, like the characters actually chose to put these things on that morning. Um, and I think that is going to... I didn't see any significance in this episode, but um, there's always the next episode. So we'll see. Okay, let's move to Act 4. 85 months ago. So this is where I got that seven months. Uh, was I, I skipped ahead of my notes. Andre is collecting records as he welcomes people into group therapy. And he is not a good person. 
No. Like you're watching it now. And now I hate him. <laughs> like beginning of the season, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. He's so helpful. And no, it's all a show. It's all a put on. He is using the guise of helping people to destroy them. Like this is not just bad. This is not just selfish evil. This is intentional deceit. And it's, it's, it's nasty. And I, <laughs> yeah, I hate him now. Take him down, Tandy and Ty. Take him down because they have done a good job building this guy up into a villain that is worth being defeated. Um, I wish Stuart was here because I would, at this point, I would ask him to define uh, the Catholic definition of what is a mortal sin. A, a mortal sin is something that is so bad that, um, if you do not repent of it before death, it's it's there's damnation afterward. Yeah, so I think that's like the uh, you get in a car accident and you accidentally kill somebody. Uh, that would be an accident. Uh, I don't think that would be considered a mortal sin unless you were drinking or something. Um, the mortal but, sin would be like you've done something really really awful, like killing someone. And like then you die right away. Planning out, yeah, yeah. killing someone. But then, and then you, you die, die right away and don't have time to repent of it before your death. Yeah, of course. So. Would you be sent to purgatory for that? I, I I'm not up on my Catholic theology. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which once again, I wish Stu was here, but he couldn't make it. Yeah. So, hi, Stu. <laughs> we miss you. <laughs> okay, so Ty's plan. He meets with the gangs. They're going to help him find Andre, but he doesn't just meet with them because he knows they're going to try and kill him. He uses his powers to get their attention, and it's a fun kind of tense scene. He's popping in and out, taking them all over the place, popping them in and out, really using his powers uh, very effectively. And so he has two purposes for doing this. Purpose number one is they're going to help him find Andre. He's going to get info from them to find Andre, but he's also telling them, you're going to follow my rules. Now you are going to stop selling to pimps and to other people who use drugs on, on, on other people. And he's, he, he's conflicted. You know, he says, I don't know if I should stop people who choose to do drugs, but I'm definitely not going to let you, sell to people who don't give that option to everyone, you know? So like the people in the motel who were drugging, you know, people like Tandy and, and putting them in a situation where um, they're going to be raped, you know, and, and for money. And he's, so he's kind of cleaning up the streets, but he's also kind of conflicted about like how much free choice do people have? And he's, I think he's he's looking back at when they when he stopped that one gang and then this gang moved into town and they just ended up having more power. And he's thinking, OK, I can't create a vacuum, but I have to do something about innocent people who are being hurt be, because of things outside of their their choice, like Tandy or, as we know now, Leah or uh, Michaela. I find it really interesting. Yeah. Different kind of vigilante story. He's learned his lesson. 
That's true. Uh, there's there's a huge difference between people who hurt themselves and people who hurt other people. Well, when it comes to drugs, that's a very complicated issue. It is. It is because even yeah. even when even, it's so called a victimless crime, the effects of things you do to yourself have effects on other people. Yes. You know, and, and, and so there are, you know, parents of kids who are choosing to do a so-called victimless crime, but the truth is the parent who has to deal with a child who falls into addiction, uh, that parent doesn't have any choice because they love their, their child. And so they become victims and it's their own fault for loving their child, if you want to look at it that way. But uh, it's it's really not. <laughs> and, well, uh, yeah. And then and then they start uh, indirectly supporting their child, and that becomes an issue. And and those parents have to learn: I have to push my child in, away in order to save my child. Yeah, and then yeah. You, you find yourselves in. There's this has not happened with my family um, directly, but I've. In my line of work, I've seen plenty of situations where, you know, a parent is just, how do I support a child who is doing something that is self-destructive? And if I don't support them, I'm going to lose them, you know, and it's just, it's not victimless. Yeah. Yeah. But our actions have different consequences. Every action has a different consequence. And yeah, it's. Unfortunately, those things don't get thought through by everyone. So, but Tyrone, I can understand, especially for, you know, I mean, he's still a teenager. He's he's still sorting through and and gaining life experience and figuring out for himself, like what what does all this mean? And I, I think he's at least showing some maturity in in how he's approaching things. It may not be the right answer. But it's definitely his best answer right now. Yeah, he he is growing up pretty well. He has grown up pretty quickly. Um, uh, moving out from his parents' house uh, maybe in some ways was really good for him. Maybe not. Well, it definitely <laughs> it's definitely a situation where lemons can can be made into lemonade. Yeah, I mean, it's he not a gone good situation a dark, at all. Yeah, but, he could have gone down a much darker path, yeah. but he didn't. Yeah. So, Tandy, meanwhile, is with Leah and Bridget, and basically, Bridget slash Mayhem just wants to kill Leah without remorse because Leah was a part of all of this. She let it happen. She helped it happen. But Tandy, who has been inside Leah and has seen where Leah comes from and how Andre deceived her, says, you know, there's more to the situation here. We can't just kill her. That's not justice. And so it's Tandy's justice versus Mayhem's justice and actually fight a little bit here. Uh, and then finally, Mayhem's like, fine, she's your responsibility. But whatever she does or doesn't do, that's on you. And Mayhem's out. Hi. Okay, so <laughs> I'm with Tandy on this one. And um, Leah is in a very interesting place because she is both 
the victim and she's the one hurting others. Um, and that's because she, in a way, um, Leah is addicted to Andre for whatever Andre can give her when he did give okay. her something. I'm not sure what that was. Was it just power, money? I don't know. Um, I think now that I think about it, I think it was power uh, over these women, but he was hurting her too. And because before she was helping people as a nurse and maybe through the guise of, Oh, we only take just a few of these women from the support group. Um, maybe through that guy, she sort of became disillusioned about what they were doing. Well, they did give lip service in a previous episode to the fact that they only took the girls who were so lost in their own despair. You know, they, they, if there was a, if there was hope for that person to come out on the other side of this terrible situation that they're in, they wouldn't take them. Okay. And you can see them kind of using that as, as the justification. Yeah. It's just, um, when you're in a toxic relationship, um, Sometimes there's a point in your own head where you cannot it's it's really hard to get out. And speaking of addiction, it is love can be an addiction. That experience of feeling love like you're and you're hoping to get something out of it and you're really not. That's a toxic relationship. Um I think that's what Leah was doing. She was hoping to get something more out of it than she actually was. Um and I've seen not only from my own past, but I've, uh, in my own past relationships, but I've seen through other women that I know that, um, they don't feel any sort of confidence unless they're in a relationship with somebody. So they're addicted to feeling in love, but those relationships are not always the healthiest and they don't know anything else other than mm -hmm. these unhealthy relationships, which really breaks my heart to watch them go through it again and again and again. Um, and I've tried to counsel some of them and I know that I cannot just pull them out, you know, and say, you just have to stop this because they have to figure that out for themselves. And that yeah. is the worst part is you can't watching. rescue someone who doesn't want to be rescued. Right. Um, and that, that is so heartbreaking so i always tell them i'll be here when you're ready hmm. and I, I try my best to maintain those relationships but that's been tandy's issue yeah is as she's looking at these women who are allowing things to happen you just walk away that you know that's what she said to her mom and you know you should have walked away because that's what you do you just walk away if someone's hurting you you walk away and She's not getting and understanding the nuance that some people, the perception is I can't walk away. And perception is reality. You know, where yeah. when you, what you think to be true is true until it's proven not to be. But you're not always willing to accept proof. And yeah, and so this is, this is the situation that these girls are facing. And, Andre 
and Leah are taking advantage of that. Uh, so speaking of Andre, uh, Ty and Tandy, as we move into the commercial break, decide they're going to go after Andre and we do this together, which is always the best thing in cloak and dagger. They are the divine pairing after all. So what are they going to do together? Well, they end up in a jazz club and Andre is getting ready to play his blue note to open his vivet. Uh, but the club that they're in is not the club that he's in. <laughs> they, the, the gangs told Andre that uh, – the gangs told Ty, rather, that Andre was going to a place um, that he was very familiar with, a place that was you know from his past. Oh, Club Delight. That's well, what it's called. And so this club that they go to is the club with the right name, but they see a plaque that the previous club – the one that he actually played in burned down. And this is a rebuilt new club. So the they club go that burned down eight years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to where the location of the old club was, and then they follow the music. And there are people there listening and humming along in thrall. And Tandy's mom is there. And they decide they're going to go after him. They go after him together. This is a cool moment. She throws a knife at Ty. She throws a, a dagger at Ty. And he poofs and teleports and spins around right next to Andre so that the knife comes out and hits Andre before he hits the blue note. Question mark. Because is did he do it? And then everyone's gone. Everyone in the crowd is gone. And, yeah, they are actually outside the record store. And the Veve door opens, and he takes the stage. And his music echoes over the city. And that is the end of this episode. And then they give a suicide hotline number. The power of music and yeah. the, the power of friendship. I, I love their moment together where they use their powers together. Um this is definitely turned into more of a superhero show with this season as far as the superpowers being used and being learned. And it's a cool moment. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, I have to confess something, Ben. What's that? Uh, for those who, well, you wouldn't know because you're not, this is not a live recording where we record this ourselves and then post it later. Um, but I've already seen the season finale because we are recording this the night after the season finale for season two premiered. And it's a really good episode. I'm not going to say any more than that. Please don't. <laughs> you know our spoiler policy. Yeah, and you know me. <laughs> but I just want to say it's a really exciting episode. And... um I hope to uh, be able to join both you and Stuart for the next recording about Cloak and Dagger. Well, we'll see. We'll see. There's some interesting scheduling coming up. So so we'll see how we can make this work. But, uh, okay. but we're coming up where live anyway. There's only going to be one episode every week as far as our uh, shows that are coming out go. So although Spider-Man Far From Home is coming up. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Dark Phoenix is um, next weekend. Next weekend. Yeah. yeah. We, I don't know if we'll do an episode for that because just because of timing, but it'll definitely be a post credit. Yeah. Um, because, especially since it's not officially MCU, it's still part of the X Men universe. Um, that's definitely an after credit item, but I still want to see it. It, it looks good. I mean, it really is, in some ways, the end game of the X-Men universe that started with that first X-Men movie. Like, this, in a lot of ways, is the final chapter in that, although there is New Mutants that is still coming. True. Uh, and and that is, I, I believe, meant to be in that same universe. But, yeah, there's a bittersweetness to Dark Phoenix. Because of yeah. the way that, that that is kind of just closing off that, uh, <laughs> closing off that universe, really. Yeah. Oh, and um, speaking of, because we are currently dealing with the possibilities of multiple universes in the MCU now, um, uh, the X Men has already dealt with multiple universes or multiple timelines. Um, because they had their first cast with the first three X-Men movie, and then the rest of the movies dealt with a different cast, but they both featured Hugh Jackman as as um, Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there, are sh- uh, then there are some uses back and forth between some of the old cast and the new cast. Um, yeah, I was surprised mm-hmm. when First Class wasn't just a reboot. Yeah. But <laughs> that's the way they chose to go. That's the way they chose to go. So uh, that's our episode then. We don't have any feedback about this uh, episode of Cloak and Dagger. But um, we do have uh, some thanks. And I would say right now, just thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you listening. But uh, Samantha. Yes. (laughs) There, I forgot your name. (laughs) Oh, no, you're turning into me. (laughs) Uh, You have any... uh, final words then yes um i'd like to thank our patreon patrons andrew jeffrey tassel 084 blessed cheesemaker and dre thank you very much that's the thank yous i was talking about those are the names i couldn't remember i couldn't remember samantha's name just now so i think that tells us it's maybe time to stop recording but well um, it's it's after 11 o'clock <laughs> on a friday uh, only just but yeah yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I just want to say, like I said, thank you for listening, everyone. And as far as how this is going to work as we move into the future, I don't know how it's going to work as we move into the future with all these things and as we try and get caught up with Netflix and stuff. But basically, the way I'm looking at it is we'll cross that bridge whenever that bridge becomes a bridge. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 
can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. In the relevant to my interest department and maybe relevant to your interest department, I'm going to take a few moments here for a post-credit to talk about a new superhero TV show that I have to say I really enjoyed. That's right, DC Universe just released the first episode of their Swamp Thing series, and it was an hour long. And as an hour-long pilot episode, it introduced characters, it introduced Swamp Thing, and it introduced some scary stuff. (laughs) Some of it real-world horror like um, the CDC dealing with diseases and some of it fantasy world horror, like the CDC dealing with fantasy diseases. And it seems like that's going to be, if not the big bad, uh, part of the big bads, big bad stuff uh, will be this fantasy disease thing that's happening. And um, it used the swamp to full effect. It was genuinely scary at moments and it was creepy and i was reminded of obviously you know swamp thing because that's the the show but it (laughs) i was also reminded of john carpenter's the thing and um but then it also had just you know interpersonal drama as well and a lot of practical effects it looked like and also a lot of cgi the cgi happened in the dark and uh that might be the one ding would be that some of the CGI felt CGI, uh, but the practical effects, well, that's not so much a ding, but the practical effects felt practical. So anyway, that is my mini review of Swamp Thing episode one, which is on the DC Universe subscription service, which I have subscribed to for the duration of the Swamp Thing season one, which unfortunately it's it was originally a 13 episode order and uh dc uh or warner brothers or whoever it was that's in charge of of those plans um pulled them back to a 10 episode order and so suddenly the writers had to really jump into some damage control and uh figure out how they were going to end the season uh, four, uh three episodes early after having already finished production on I don't know how much of the season, but a, a significant portion of the season they had already shot and and put together. So I'm curious to see how this ends. It starts out really strong, though. So, yeah. So those of you who are interested in that stuff, uh, there, there, there you go. And those of you who are not interested in that stuff, well, I'm almost done talking about it. And you don't have to rush to get that that stop button or the next button for your your podcast thing um i'm interested in that stuff because uh i just like the potential of horror that comes from the swamp and i like the way that swamp thing gets used and and in different stories but in this story um it looks like they are they are embracing the horror of 
of the concept of this uh, swamp transforming a man into a creature. And, you know, they're bringing some real world stuff into it, like I, like I said. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where this goes. This feels like uh, just a good version of a character that I really like. And, you know, you never know these days when, <laughs> when you have something that you like and you finally discover, oh, they're going to do something with it. There's just that, that nervousness, you know, that, that trepidation where you say, I hope they don't screw it up. So we will see if they screw this up or not. But right now, off to a good start off to a good start and i enjoyed watching it so that is our post credit not discussion but monologue about swamp thing season one episode one which if you want to hear me talk about it more uh, my plan is to talk about it over on comic book time machine at comicbooktimemachine.com where i do a swamp monster comic subset of that podcast that podcast however just kind of happens whenever i have time (laughs) free time to just read some comics and and talk about them. Um, Unlike this podcast where I feel like there actually are people who are really, you know, waiting for the next episode or wanting to get, you know, the next episode in the series. Um, They're following along in real time. Uh, Comic book time machine. Not like that. (laughs) It's, it's definitely, you know, even more of a hobby podcast than this one is. So anyway, that's all. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you later and Godspeed.